Welcome to Blade TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. Alright guys, welcome to Vikings. This is episode 8. Episode 8. Portage. Directed by Ken Girardi. Ken Girardi. Yeah, he's at it again. Yeah. Uh, not, not, how are you liking his direction of the last two episodes? Ah, uh, not my favorites. Not my favorites. These are pretty, pretty slow. I was telling you before the cast started, this is my first disappointing episode of Vikings. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of been talking throughout. Like, we haven't shown necessarily the excitement that, you know, we've been getting with it, but we've loved all the episodes. And then this was the first one that it didn't even hit that natural bar of high. I just feel like this episode really made some mistakes, as far as I'm concerned, with some characters. Not only made some mistakes, but they just went in the wrong direction. Because if they would have done one thing, they could have saved the entire episode. I just... I don't know. Let's, let's just get into it. Yeah, let's we'll, just dive, we'll dive right in because we can hit every point as we go. Um, I mean, we can't even really do a character by character breakdown like we like to. We and don't think we have to because we had some major, we had major moments, and then a lot of Dullsville. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we could talk about Ragnar and the group. They're retreating in the boats. Ragnar has a just. He's Great looking, imaginationary. You well, know. he's looking all fidgety and stuff, and we kind of see him always going like looking to the left, looking to the right, and we don't necessarily know what he's looking for. And I then, think he's just having a damn fit. It seems like I think he's having like withdrawals, like a like a but meltdown. He, he's still chewing on the sour leaf. I mean, yeah, Bjorn's talking to him and stuff as he's trying to reach for some power, and Ragnar quickly slaps that away. Yeah, and then he finally sees that cliff. And he's like, "Hey, come here." He's like, it's weird that he brought Bjorn to him instead of just talking to him from the ship and then makes Bjorn give the call. Yeah. I didn't really <sighs> like that. Well, in a way, I'm happy Bjorn's doing something because he didn't have anything else to do this episode. Well, he, he had one thing. It's well, yeah, he gets of, to be dream sequenced. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get and there. so like, they're like wondering, why are we setting up camp? There's a whole bunch of better places. And then this was probably my favorite Ragnar thing of the entire season. He's like, y'all may have forgotten about Paris, but I haven't. He's, Here's what we're about to do. We are about to lift these boats out of the water, scale that cliff, <laughs> Over and just mountain. put them back into the water. I was shocked. Yeah. They're, I was like, where have you been, Ragnar? This is the most genius thing I've ever heard of. And this is where we get the title Portage. Um, a lot of times, you know, people, if you don't do any canoeing or boating or camping and stuff like that, sometimes you have to... Go, do exactly go up on the this. bank, and you have to carry your boat to the next waterway across land, across whatever you have to cross mm-hmm. before you can put it in at another spot. So this is why it's called portage. You know, you he wants to drag this up this mountain, move to the the waterway parallel to this that's not blocked by forts, and then sneak attack on Paris. And this I, changes everyone's attitude. Like well, because they were retreating, they're like this isn't the Viking way, you know. This isn't us. We've lost all faith in you. And then he drops this bomb on them, and they're like, "We're sorry for doubting you. Like, yeah. We we realize this is why we wanted to sail with you." Yeah, and the fact that Floki drops the, the kind of bomb on us is like everything I do is for you, Ragnar. Reverts back to season one. Yeah, this is kind of where we get to see the ingenuity of Floki again. Now, do you um, think this is genuine? In a way, yeah. I mean, you don't think it's an actor or anything? I think he had new friends with these new fake Viking guys, but they're not the ones that jumped in the water and saved him. Yeah. You know, Ragnar did. I I think it's a regretful 
back to the means. Like I don't think that he's happy that he's back to caring this much about Ragnar anymore, or he Not feels indebted to him. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of maybe his path back. Mm-hmm. So I like seeing that. That's fine. I didn't have a huge problem with this. I think this is a massive undertaking that they didn't show a day to night time day, lapse. A day to night. We, we this th- should take a week, a, a month. I, I mean, mean they have a bunch of trees chopped down, laid out, and yeah. they're just pushing the boats. Pulleys like, built. Like, uh, how did he not? He created everything but wheels for these things. <laughs> and wheels would have expedited this thing a week. Yeah. Um, and we know that wheels have been invented. So, like, I just don't know how that didn't come up from something. I don't know. But it's anyway. A, this is tough. I mean, that's picking nits. Um, yeah. But. That's mainly the Ragnar story. That's well, it. I mean, do we just, let's just go ahead and finish off the portage. Okay, well, it. we get a weird dream sequence or a vision, it seems like, I guess, of Torvi looking just, at Bjorn as he's going up the ev- elevator, basically, on one of the boats. Yeah, looking great, you know, directing everybody yeah. and showing power again. Kind of like the foreman of the operation, mm-hmm. you know. But then we see Erlander step up on the cliff and pull up his crossbow. And right as Torvi screams, no, Orlander, bolt shoots through the off, neck. Bolt through Bjorn's neck. I'm completely shocked. I almost throw my cup through the television. <laughs> I was so pissed off because it just it just went through. It was out of it nowhere. into the water. Yeah. It looked like it was all for real. And then it just flips and she looks back at Orlander and it didn't happen. I was like, good grief. Never loved a fake dream sequence as much as I loved that one. Like It completely took me off guard. It showed me the crossbow that I've been wanting because we actually see the modifications on that bad boy. We see the scope. It's got a longer base and everything, longer pulls, so it's, I'm assuming it's going to be more powerful. And more accurate, obviously. Yeah. And beautiful shot. Like Bjorn takes it, looks, and he's in the water. <laughs> I still hate it's the only one we see. Yes. Um, I don't understand why they've not you know, reverse engineered tons of these things at this point, but... I mean, get Floki on the case because apparently he is a master builder again. Yeah, and apparently he can do it in a couple hours. Uh, but anywho, and, well, and then the only big other big Ragnar thing is uh, he drowns Edu. You say that like it's a walk in the park. All right. Well, this is one of my first problems with uh, this episode. This episode kills three characters. Uh, yeah. And I don't like the deaths of well, any of them. Well, few more than three, but three main characters. Three major characters get the the big ugly axe this episode, and and it was weird I don't like that any they, of them. Yeah, there, there was really no point to kill Yidu. Well, I thought they were building something with Yidu, and the fact that she was a emperor's daughter, and that could have been something future. I mean, you and me were ready to go to China. We were psyched. Yeah, I, I was mean, like Chinatown. Let's do let's do this. We, we've been hyped and ready to go, and then all of a sudden. She lies to it again. We realize that he didn't say that she was free. And I liked You're how he... Free to come and go. I like how he re, like reiterated that wording to us. Like, man, yeah. you, y'all pulled the wool over our eyes. Good job, writers. Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess that means you're welcome to stay. But if you try to leave, yeah. we have the right to just mow you down, I guess. But And then he drowns her and Ube and Little Brother, whose name I've still yet to... Not care to learn. Yeah, yeah. They see it. 
They seem a bit distraught by it. Yeah. They saw their dad drown a person to death <laughs> and get the wet sour leaf, which is now useless. A person that just sang them to sleep during a storm on the boats, too. They were caring for, a, I feel like, a little bit more than their mother. Yeah, well, I mean, she at least was the only calming effect yeah. on the boats. And I can tell you, the biggest problem I had with this scene was realizing how close to base camp they are. Because I thought he was a little segregated from everybody and secluded. No, no, no. He's just around the corner a little bit. Yeah. And then just pushes the body like, okay, no oh, one will no, find this. No one will see this yeah. as it just bangs right up against the boats next to him. You know? Yeah. Hey, uh, where's that Asian girl? No, I thought Edu was a huge waste. Especially since she's the only person who speaks Frankish. Well, not to, I mean, they just built her way up only to just be unceremoniously drowned. and For drugs. <sighs> Just Yeah, so he could get his drugs because she wouldn't give it to him, probably looking out for him because, hey, you have a problem. Um, but this Everyone is how addicts is react. Yeah. You know, they overreact, really. And that's pretty much all we need to know about. That's Ragnar for the episode. Now, we get quite a bit of Paris. Um, we get the kind of thanks that the Emperor's given to Odo, you know, really kind of laying it on thick. I was surprised by that. Like, I mean, he is... I thought he was really secondary to the Emperor at this point, but the Emperor's landed on pretty thick that he's, he's laid on the heavy. savior of Paris again. Now, do you think that this was the Emperor playing Odo the whole time? Because we had had that secret meeting where they said, keep an eye out on Odo. This is kind of just hitting me. Yeah. I think um, I think was this was the Emperor being a bit scheming. Yeah. You know, smarter than we've ever seen him. You know, being the great grandson of Charlemagne and actually using his power. Yeah, man, this is where Odo kind of actually tells Emperor, you know, your faith in Rolo is misguided, misguided, and you should now cut ties with him, and, and that your daughter will find a more respectable husband. Yeah, uh, me. That's what he's yeah, saying. Me. I was about to ask. Do you think he's pointing at himself there? Oh, absolutely. With the iron hand, just shoving himself in the chest. Me, me, me. Um, and we find out uh, Odo is not using any fluff or anything. He is just that big and ugly of a human being. Yeah, no, he is um, openly, you know, trying to remove Rolo. Yes. at this point, um, right after he, under his advice, just saved the city. Yeah, I mean, Rolo, we're pretty sure that that was entire Rolo's gig because Odo was sitting there on the things like, oh, oh, Rolo gave a command. Yeah, guys, go ahead. Right, now we can shoot. I appreciate it. Um, anyway, slide into the Ter slave girl. Teresa. I still remember her name. Okay, Teresa. Incestual Teresa. Four. Approaches Odo and is wondering why he hasn't come to see her in a while. Ever since the, the battle, he's not been to see her at all. Mm-hmm. But she lays this idea on him that, you know... Maybe you want to be chained up. Maybe let me, whip, let me whip you. It gives him the same breakdown, too. You could pick the whip. You yeah. can tell me when to stop, but I'd rather be the one to say when yeah, we stop. I'd rather be in full control of this. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I would look at her and be like, no, I, I, I don't need that. Well, I don't know much about this world, but I know dominant, submissive... If you're a dominant, you never yeah. go submissive. Like, I mean, th those roles don't change. Right. So I was surprised by this. I thought Odo was a little smarter than this. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, we get him down. He's chained himself up. 
He looks like he's just going to be a hard ass. He's like, hit me harder. I can barely feel that. Well, I mean, he, he looks like a stuffed hog with as big and hairy as he is. I mean. <laughs> this dude is barrel-bellied. I, I could have gone without the shirtless Odo scene, I'm going to be honest. And he's wearing some, like, tight leather pants. He looks Above like his a, belly button. I was just yeah. like, okay. <laughs> he looks like that way over the hill rock star that's like, I ain't giving up, you know. I'm <laughs> oh, because still- he's got the long hair, too, going with Oh, it. yeah. Absolutely. He looks like, you know, somebody from Skinner going out there with their shirt off. Like, I'm still going. Leather pants, no shirt. No, I mean, he kind of, I think that's what Axl Rose is going to uh, imagine whenever he goes on stage with Guns N' Roses. They're going to have to wheel Axl out <laughs> on the stage, probably. Um, yeah, terrible. Uh, but yeah, he takes a couple licks and he's like, harder. And then we see Left Hand Man. Still haven't learned his name. Incest brother. Yes, uh, incest brother. Step in and grab the whip and just waylay him. Oh, lambast the guy. Yeah. And uh, just, we see that there's already three blood marks going down him. I was like, yeah. uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, and then... They, so she comes around so he can see her. And he then realizes, oh, you're not the one whipping me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they, she gets a little kiss. You know, we get the incest in full light again. Yeah, gross. Uh, yet again, um, you had to see that the girl that you've been messing with is, you know, banging her brother, <laughs> and then her brother is going to whip you to death. Yes, and he's like begging, like, "Don't do this." Blah blah blah. Quickly gets uh, gagged in a way. To- yeah, yeah. So he, the people upstairs can't hear him screaming. But once again, this was a bad death to me. I, I, this was kind of weak to me for Odo to go out this way. I wanted Rolo to kill Odo. But as Gizlo was saying, that's not how Rolo was going to go out. You know, we had to do it secretly in the shadows to where it's not a big deal made. So Rolo's pe- or so Odo's people don't try to come back and get revenge. Yeah, I just, man. And so I've seen too much Odo. I've seen too much promise in the character. I've seen too much of Odo. Well, yeah, more than I'd like to see. Uh, <laughs> but I just didn't think this was a good enough death for him. I, I was okay with it. I, I was okay with getting him out so we can see more of Rolo because he's flourishing. Like, oh, I didn't yeah. think I was going to like him anymore, but I, I think he's back to being my favorite character. I still hate seeing him the way he looks uh, with his nice pleated hair. And <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh but yeah, he ends up getting the iron hand of, of which of which sanctifies or symbolizes that you're the protector of the city. Yes. You run the military that guards Paris. And if anybody who knows more Paris history or France history wants to let us know about the iron hand, please yeah. do. Because we just thought that this was Odo's hand. Yeah, we thought this was just a prosthetic. Uh, mm-hmm. Medieval times, prosthetic. <laughs> you know, whatever time this is. Um, anyway, so... That's a that's most of the Paris we get. We find well, out Gisela's with child. Yes, and Rolo um, is promoted somehow. Rolo, well, well he's promoted. Even though I thought he was as high as he could go, but now he's actually head of the Paris Guard. Yeah, because Rolo was a little worried that he was no longer needed and that they weren't going to like him anymore, but couldn't be further from the truth. And I, I think Gisela kind of put the emperor in a you know rock in a hard place too when he told her. She's pregnant. I don't think that mattered, though. I, I think he would have still made the same decision, but I think that, like, put it in stone for him. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. And then right before we leave Paris, Teresa talks to the Emperor a little bit. Yeah. 
Do you think something's going to happen between them? Uh, yeah, because I think Left Hand Man is still ambitious. Very. And is wanting to, you know, make his own path as well. So I could see her trying to weasel her way into the Emperor saying, because she says, you bear a huge burden and you bear it alone. Yeah. Alone. Um, meaning, <laughs> I'd love to pounce in your Emperor fine sheets. Who wouldn't? Uh, you know, Charlemagne's. Uh, uh, not with that curly haired mustache. <laughs> terrible but i don't think that i think that she would leave her brother out to the wolves if she gets with the emperor maybe maybe we'll see and Um, i mean i couldn't be happier if that's what ends up happening just so we can get the uh old incest out of here yeah the incestuous uh grossness can go anytime um but uh, yeah we're we're pretty much done with that's about it with paris right and so uh, let's go to cat again i want to save Eckbert and wessex for i agree i think that's the biggest Biggest role of this episode. How are you feeling about Harbard? Don't give a damn about any of this. Man, Is could somebody be falling flatter on this show? Yeah, I hate that. I love this actor. This guy's great. Kevin Durant, you're yeah. a wonderful actor. You're playing the part well. I just don't like your part on the show right now. Yeah, all this is dumb to me. There's I, not even a point to being Kattegat right now. I wish I'd just removed this whole storyline. Yeah. I don't care about Oslog. I don't care what's going on with that. It was like I Wessex mean, in the beginning of the ser- at the beginning of the season. Like, there's just no point for it. Yeah, and the only thing I can hope is that there's some major blow up from this. But at the end of it, Harbar leaves. Yeah. Well, I mean, we find out that well, Aslog finds out through Harbar's Char- just a man whore, man slut, and uh, he's he's gr- he's taking people's pain away through sex because that that's clearly how you take away pain. He didn't have to bang Ivar to take his pain away. <laughs> so I thought his argument landed a bit flat. Well, uh, and I mean, one of the big things I took away from this was uh, <laughs> he bends love to his will. He's like a corrupt sheriff or something. Yeah, he is. He's like a pimp that's <laughs> manipulating and like very manipulative, belittling too. his women in order for them to follow him. But the only person he's belittling is... But that's what I'm saying. He's doing it a different way. He's doing it in the opposite way of building all these women up, making them feel special, and then just banging them out. And, and then on to the next one. Sometimes, you know, two or three at the same time. On to the next one. I mean, he has half the village in his bed <laughs> at once. Uh, it's a big bed. And, and the thing is, he only comes when all the men are out at war. Mm-hmm. And he has free reign of all the lonely women. And he talked about how, you know, he felt like he was a, doing this out of religion and out of gods. Well, yeah, he he's Is renounced that- everything that's selfish. Like, he does everything for everyone else now. But it doesn't look that way. He's like a cult leader. Yeah, he's disgusting. Um or he's just really good at what he does. <laughs> I, I think he's just really good at what he does. Uh, because but, you know, he, he talks about like hearing a calling from Auslog, talking. You know, he's like, "I've been over mountains and deserts and oceans, just and to I get heard back you calling, and I came back to you." AKA, I heard Ragnar was going on a raid. Yeah, I uh, I don't love any of these women like I love you. Uh, yeah, spoken yeah. like a true player. He's like, I, I want to talk to Ivar Worldstar and tell him that I love him and yeah. all this stuff. And Sitgar or Sit Sigit. 
Sigit or whatever his freaking name Peeping is. Peeping Tom. That's his yeah. name. Peeping Tom kid shows his mom. <laughs> and that's when this all blows up. Now, does Aslog look a little bit rougher to you? Like, she's not looking nearly like the uh, Aslog that stole Ragnar. Well, she's got about 27 children. Uh, <laughs> Can't even keep, trap of, and keep she track of them. She doesn't necessarily like live the like a lux- life of luxury that she did before True. Kattegat. Um, I mean, she used to have just like those shield maidens waiting on her hand and foot you know every everywhere she went yeah, so almost wasn't even walking yeah things have changed a little bit so yeah she seems a little more run run down mm-hmm. i guess um but that, i would be too hell if i had a village of children and yeah. then also a village to look after and she's running the village period so anyway that's it with Katagat. Yeah. i could give a damn about that storyline um let's move to wessex now, I have never been more disappointed about the entrance of a scene than I was with Wessex this week. How about you? Super disappointed to not see uh, a battle at Mercia. Not even an arrow. Yeah. Just. I would have just liked to have seen him, like, walking the battleground and, like, you know, those fi- those finishing stabs yeah. and stuff. I you mean, know? at least Game of Thrones gave us that. With this a, was. a dirty Eckbert. Like, he'd actually fought... Dude, this guy never left his horse, yeah, barely. Yeah, comes, uh, comes back, the gates swing open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I did this. We're We've all won a great merged. victory. Now I must go sleep because I'm tired after a weary ride. Uh, I'm not even sure, judging by what we've seen, that they actually did fight. Ooh. That maybe he just went in and was like, hey, Wingston said this, you know, we could just come in and wipe y'all out if that's what you wanted. Or we could just sign this over to me and y'all could live as nobles. So do you think the council, the circle is actually dead? Oh, yeah. I think he definitely killed Okay, them. so you, you think he did it? He wanted the paperwork. Yeah. You know, and had no plans of keeping him alive. But I could see him easily lying. Oh, lying his way into the inner circle. Lie his way in. Get everything that he needs and then put him to the sword. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. And the people would love him for that. In all yeah, honesty. Because they don't like the ruling council either. They just don't want Quinthrit. So, uh, yeah, I could easily see that there wasn't a single arrow shot, a single sword, you know, other than the ones well, that If that was down. the case, I would be really disappointed that we didn't see that. Because that is a scene, or just a line of scenes, that Eckbart would own completely, and it would be fascinating to see oh, him yeah. in that environment even if it's just one of those ones where like the flag bearers come out and speak to Egbert and say state your purpose here yeah. and he's like i'm here right, to be king here's what could happen we could come and mow y'all over but we don't want that i just want you to know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm just, gonna be king and we'll take care of everybody because I mean, that's his character i mean yeah. he, he would easily pull that off and be a fantastic scene instead we just get him you know Gloriously riding back into the gates of <laughs> coming Wessex. in and missing Judith and all this stuff, and I just I wasn't happy for it. But then the next scene that we get, where we see the papers and everything, and I was astonished that he had papers. To be honest with you, yeah. I I, it, first off, I didn't realize there were papers like this. Nope, I didn't. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, treason or like uh, treaties and all that. Yeah, but there was a lot of papers. It's like four or five different scrolls. And, and then there then was one major scroll that he rolls out for Quinthroth to look at, but not read. 
And so yeah. I, I was like, I was laughing at that. I was like, here you go. Here's the proof, but don't read it. Like, don't don't get too deep into this. Yeah, thing. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and she goes off kicking and screaming because she just realized how smart and cunning and cutthroat that Eckbart has pretty much become. Well, she comes in like happy, bristling, like I have to get back to Mercia. Well, and also busting out of these clothes because she's about seven months pregnant at this point absolutely we find out that uh time travels way different in uh, wessex yeah as we've been stating this entire time but she this was she has a definite baby bump um this is always weird yeah i mean magnus is a monster at this point uh <laughs> he's living up to the name Alfred was 27 years old before he walked through <laughs> his pilgrimage. Like at this point. <laughs> you know, so I don't know what, about time. It gets a bit fishy yeah. uh, in there. But she's ready to be queen, ready to go back home, take Magnus back. And he's like, got to keep mm. Magnus and you're no longer queen. Yeah. I'm king of both. Um, so, she, yeah, you're right. She loses her shit. They have to drag her away. Tells her that she'll be under guard, mm-hmm. you know, for the rest As of her will stay. be Magnus. Well, because she wills, tries to escape, you know, tries to get Judith on her side and everything. Yeah. And, like, I I found it odd that she was trying to escape. And I was like, well, sure, that Eckbert would just let her go and stuff. But then she gets kidnapped. And Eckbert had an answer for every reason to why she couldn't escape. And it all made sense to me. Oh, it all makes sense Except for the him, Magnus part. You know, mostly. I didn't <sighs> understand why he still wanted Magnus. Because I mean, it, that's the only bargaining chip he has left for the Northmen, really, though. Well, but I mean, it's still... Ragnar has no idea if this kid's actually his. He doesn't know that she's pregnant, or never knew that she was pregnant. And then it's been like 12 years, apparently. And so, there's that. But then how does he also explain that there's no more Vikings? Because Ragnar knows that they've all been mowed down. Yeah. And so, like, there really isn't a bargaining chip there. In my yeah. opinion. At least it's the smallest one you could think of. Yeah. It's tiny. Um, yeah. I I don't know. The Magnus situation, I don't know how it's going to play out. No. The thing of it is, unless they give this show several more seasons, Which I don't, I don't know how it will develop into... Going back to Wessex. Yeah. to Where Eckbert will be the big bad he's supposed to be. And Ragnar will be the adversary to him. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we've been talking about this entire time is we just don't see how we're going to get back to Wessex in time. But we didn't see how we were going to get to Paris in time. And they just threw it on us. Oh, I said, yeah, we raid in three weeks and next episode we're raiding. No, not not next episode. It was next scene. We were yeah, sailing true. off. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, we, we get, get to Quinthrift Night Ninja. Well, we get a little bit of Judith and Eckbert talking true, about true. how he's in love with her. And that. Well, she, she comes in pissed off because. Or comes in and says, stop lying, basically. True. Because he had these plans all along. Which I don't know how she got to that conclusion. I think she just kind of has the, the way of him. Oh, man. I, I'm not. I don't think that at all. See, I'm not a huge fan of Judith's character anyway. No. So them trying to make her out to be this smart is, you know, maybe not hitting with me. There was a lot of poor writing in this episode. And like we said, this was the first episode we were down on as a yeah. whole. I don't like Etbert being weak in any form or fashion. I don't like him being 
you know, vulnerable to Judith. It's like the Punisher sitting there talking to Karen. I hate to bring that up, but right, we I were just talking about this literally yeah. an hour ago. Um, I just, I don't want to see him let his guard down ever because he is so cunning and so ambitious that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to see him be. Well, and then it's like, I'm not going to ask for God's forgiveness because I know I can't, but yours matters. And it's like, you're putting her on that high of a pedestal. Yeah. This is your son's wife. And I don't know. Hopefully, at the end, we realize that he's just manipulating her, too. But to what to what point? I don't know what's at the end. Like, she doesn't have any power. There's no reason to manipulate her. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. So, I, I can't even think of a big reveal that would make sense and make me want to have her being manipulated. I think this is just... This is love. And there's no other explanation for it, unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> But on to happier times, we get Mama Bear Quintrith back. <laughs> yes, Quintrith kisses Magnus uh, kind of like goodbye, it looks yeah. like, at first, you know. Um, sneaks out, kind of wiggles her way around. Stabs the last sneaky... That spy that went with Eckbert to the merciest part. Mm-hmm. He gets stuck in the neck with what looks like a like a hair spike or something. Yeah, it looks like a prison shank, in yeah. all honesty. Uh, so he bleeds out. Then we see Eckbert laying in his bed. We could see what's coming. She straddles him, puts the spike up to his throat. And then he makes a weird power play where you can kill me, but my guards will have no problem killing you. And I still have a problem with like that I makes no sense. I never understand that argument. Yeah. Like, I know cares? we just had this argument, I feel like, last week, but it makes zero sense to me still at this point. Because she has all the right claim. Because Magnus was the next in line. Because mm-hmm. Athelwolf isn't there. So she's temporarily the queen. So she's the most powerful person there. And so, no, they're not going to kill her. Like, it makes well, it- And the thing is, the baby in her belly is next in line yeah. to the throne. If Athelwolf is not there or has died, whatever. And Athelwolf I mean? will have no problem with her ruling until he gets back. Yeah, absolutely. And... So, like, it made no sense for her to not just immediately kill Eckbert. Let me tell you what didn't make sense. Killing Quintrith. I don't... This is third death of this episode I didn't like. Well, you're a high Quintrith fan, and so... I like Quintrith crazy. (laughs) Because the Quintrith and Aethelwolf was going to be the big wrench in Eckbert's plan. It was going to be the first time we were going to see him struggle in a long time. Right. But instead... We get just Judith stabbing her in the liver, and she rolls over and says, Look at what you've made me do. Well, Quinther says, You've killed twice over now, because she killed her and the baby. Okay, okay. I was Um, wondering what that line was for. And then Judith, yeah, says the statement, Look what you've made me become. Which I don't think I've ever hated a line as much as this, because what has she been preaching this entire season? I'm a free woman. And so the first thing that she does is blame a man for her problems. Yeah. Like that away to zap all of your power. That, you know, that didn't even, I couldn't even think about that because I was too incensed with the fact Quinther was dead. For no she reason. She had, her and Aethelwolf had the best Chan- scene of this whole series or this season, I mean. Oh, we, Kill the Queen episode. Yeah. That Fantastic. fight and everything like that. You got to see what Quintus was capable of, what Aethelwulf was capable of. And we've had two more chances to get these scenes back, and they haven't they have done it. Because right. I don't know if they think that they can live up to that first one. I mean, they've just created such really cool 
and sometimes crazy highs for Quintra. And she just goes out with a whimper. Man, that's just pitiful for such a cool character to me. And it was all foreshadowed. Like, as soon as Aether Wolf was gone, like, you kind of got that knot in your stomach. Like, I don't feel good for Quintareth. Yeah, but I still thought she would survive, even if it meant she was going to be surviving under lock and key. Because there know, was still a lot of damage that she could do. Like, there's a absolutely. lot of punches she could throw. And now we're going to get, I'm assuming at some point, Aether Wolf coming back, and then he'll be on the warpath. I don't vengeance. know if we ever see Aether Wolf again. Maybe I'm not. I'll be honest with you. Maybe not. Um, he has like 1,200 miles to walk <laughs> there and back. He'll probably be 60 years old by the time he gets back. Alfred's going to have two grandkids by then, even <laughs> though he's in the priesthood. Uh, so, yeah, man, I'm a little... I'm I'm actually pretty down on this episode. Three deaths that I didn't think were handled very well. I didn't mind Odo. Quintrith is... Even though I didn't like her, I liked the things that she could have done. Yeah, I liked the trouble she could make. Mm-hmm. I like how, like, wild she is. But also, like, my main thing was I felt her time was limited because I knew she wasn't going to be able to be put back in charge in Mercia. So I just didn't see what was going on with it. It finally got revealed, and now this is what we were left with, unfortunately. Yeah. Really disappointing to me. I mean, I understand people are going to have different opinions on this, but I was pretty disappointed. And then, like you, you do, her death made no sense to me, and that is the one that... I dislike the most because all of her scenes were fantastic. That's just what I'm saying. I felt like all of the deaths of those three characters were premature. That they could have had bigger, even a bigger death, a more like affecting death. Yeah. Later on, even if it was only an episode or two later, there could have been more like plot movement or more. More than just they went for shock value, and it just they all fell flat. <laughs> They killed three characters in one episode. <laughs> oh, I just was ways. amazed. Yeah. I was amazed and disappointed. Not you know, not amazed in a good way. Like so. I mean, if we kept all three of those alive and then just did the Battle of Mercia or just the talking of Mercia, like I said, that saves the episode. Yeah, no battle and then three premature deaths and then a lot of just shit Kattegat plot. Ugh. You know, this this is like I said. First disappointing episode of Vikings I've ever I've ever watched, man. Hopefully this is the last because I mean most of the time this show is hundred percent knocking it out of the park. Exactly, like I mean it's a Thursday night show and it kills the ratings and everything. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll unfortunately see. that's all I got for this episode. But let us know what you think. Um, hit us up at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter, Bleed TV Podcast at Gmail dot com. Hit on our Facebook page. Always hit us with the email. Uh, with any kind of comments or questions or let us know about the iron hand if you have any idea about that love to know a little bit more about that but uh until next time guys this is bleed tv and i'm jake and i'm cash later